welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. Y'all, I am so tired. And the reason I'm tired is because I had like the longest day at school. And I am kind of regretting recording this right after I got out of class. But, you know, content doesn't sleep. And obviously, I had to push myself. But I do think I am going to need to change my podcast recording schedule a little bit so I'm not feeling so tired and overwhelmed at the end of a day. So this week's episode is about de-influencing culture and even de-influencing influencers. I don't know why it is taking me this long to speak out on this topic and I almost wanted to do a YouTube video And then I thought to myself, actually, I think this would be better for a podcast topic as opposed to a YouTube video because I feel like it's a little bit more oversaturated in terms of talking about de-influencing and talking about like a list of things that I'm de-influencing and that you don't need it. And don't get me wrong, I am going to share that in this episode, but I did want to take a little bit of a step back from a lot of personal development solo episodes. I feel like I have done so many personal development episodes and I feel like I've shared a lot of great things that can genuinely help people like become more unapologetically themselves and help them thrive but what's also great about solo episodes is that I can also talk about things that I also want to talk about that I'm also not going to be sorry for but still hopefully that you find value out of that content anyway. And one of the reasons I wanted to speak up about the whole de-influencing trend, I mean, this has been going on since the beginning of 2023, even maybe a little bit more towards the end of 2022. I don't know why it took me so long to talk about this. Maybe I just didn't prioritize it. And I felt like, I was like, nah, I don't need to talk about this right now. Here I am in August talking about it. And I just thought it was my time. So this topic is something that, I have been very guilty of when it comes to like overconsumption. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. As someone who is a content creator, I definitely do have a bone to pick with other content creators and influencers. And I am going to talk about that in the first half of this episode. But as always, I like to start off every single solo episode with life updates. I only got two life updates. So let me jump into those right now. Last week I wrapped up week two of beauty school and we just started getting into haircuts which has been really exciting so we started off with a one length square cut so that happened last Thursday and we ended up getting onto the demo floor and starting our cuts until kind of late in the day so a lot of us didn't get to finish especially the part-time students who don't go on site on Mondays and Fridays for part-timers we don't even have class at all so those are free days for us and for me I work those days. Tuesdays are online and then Mondays and Thursdays are virtual so tomorrow when I go back into class I get to finish my haircut because I was definitely one of those people who did not get to finish. I'm a little nervous of how it's gonna turn out but I am really excited about getting the practice and obviously I know how I can fix it once I finish blow drying it and seeing what I need to even out but I did enjoy cutting. I think it's just a skill that just takes some getting used to and just mastering like scissor handling, which is something that 
is a little bit harder for me because I am left-handed and I feel like a lot of things in the hairstyling space are not very lefty friendly. And so part of me has to adapt and adjust and use my right hand for a lot of things. But I am so happy that left-handed scissors exist and the school is able to supply me with those, which I'm so grateful for because otherwise I could really be fucking up people's hair if I had scissors that were meant for right-handed folks. And I'm trying to think what else happened last week. Oh, I had my first model, so my friend Hannah came in, and so I just did a simple soft set blowout on her. It turned out really well, and I was excited that I finally got to practice on a real human being, and it really just helped my confidence levels and helped me not feel so nervous about eventually having to do services on people so I really like that we have to supply models for this first phase of school because it will help us just get more comfortable with doing these services on people and then in a couple of weeks we start taking actual clients on the floor that are actually going to be paying for our services because models are free so things are happening they're moving quickly and I just started week three. I'm sort of almost halfway done with week three, which is wild because I feel like I just started. So that's the latest school update. I'm having a blast. It's really fun. I look forward to class each and every day, even the virtual days. Personally, I feel like the virtual days are more exhausting than the in-person days because with the in-person days, yes, they're long. For me, I just leave campus feeling really gross and sweaty. And the first thing I wanna do when I get home is take all my clothes off and hop in the shower because, oh my God, just the amount of sweat that I produce at my station and doing all of these services, especially when heat is involved, it does not feel good, especially during the summer. And I'm not near a lot of air conditioning, even though the building is air conditioned, but I did purchase a clip-on fan for my station. So hopefully that will help cool me down and hopefully not leave me feeling gross and stinky because that's typically how I've been feeling after I come out of on-site days. I just feel gross, if anything. Not tired, just gross. Virtual days where I'm sitting at my computer all day long on video calls all day, that shit's exhausting. And it makes me feel so unmotivated to do anything else afterwards, which is why I should probably not be recording on my days where I have online class. And that is something that I'm just learning now. And I think it's something that I can do and um, adapt. So that's something that I'm learning. So hopefully that helps with my exhaustion and my motivation so I don't feel unmotivated the night before I have to release a new podcast episode. The other update is that over this past weekend, I got to meet my friend's parents who were in town visiting, and that took place on Saturday. So my friend is from Nebraska, and his parents were visiting from Nebraska, and I've heard lots about the parents, and so it was nice to finally meet them. And we actually had a really good time. We basically start off Saturday how I would normally start Saturdays with my friend, and that's going to the Portland State Farmers Market. They seemed to really enjoy themselves. They were interested in trying samples. They liked walking around and seeing what was there. Then we went to the Saturday Market, which is more of like an art and craft fair for like local crafters who will sell their arts and products. So not so much food and produce. 
and that was really lovely and then we went and got lunch at Kells which is a really great Irish pub in Old Town Chinatown and there's a lot of cool like haunted history with that pub and the food's really good the beer is really good and then after that we went to the art museum and they had a really cool exhibit on the newest Pinocchio movie that's out on Netflix. Um, I think it's Del, it's Del Toro's version of Pinocchio. And that actually won an Academy Award earlier this year for Best Animated Feature. So I'm going to have to check that out on Netflix. Yeah, that was a really cool exhibit. And I had also never been to the Portland Art Museum. And because my friend's mom was a veteran... She got us all in for free, so uh, thanks for helping me save some money. So that was a really lovely Saturday, and then Sunday, I truly did nothing. I had no motivation. I was so fried, and I just didn't have any video ideas on what I wanted to do, so I just decided to not upload a video this week, but I'm already in the process of filming something for next week, so... We'll be back on track for that, so if you do subscribe to me on YouTube, I am so sorry you didn't get a video this week. I just had to take a break for the week because I've just been doing too much. Okay, so that's basically all of my life updates. Nothing too exciting just because I haven't had a lot of guests come in, so only so much can happen within a week, I feel like. I want to talk about influencers, and I'm not going to talk about like this whole evolution of influencers but I am going to just talk about like how influencer culture definitely has gotten more out of hand in the past couple of years. And it's not like what it used to be. I felt like influencer culture did kind of become more noticeable in 2015, 2016. And that's even when I started noticing influencers and started paying attention to who I was watching on YouTube and then starting to subscribe. I think the only person that I had ever subscribed to on YouTube was in college, and that was Queen Jenna Marbles. She was the only one that I would just stay committed to with watching, but anyone else that I would watch on YouTube that had a video on something that I wanted to watch a video on, I just didn't pay attention to who was making the video. And over time, I started paying attention, and I started to, you know, look up to these creators and really admire the content they put out. I do believe like influencer culture has definitely played a huge role not only in my life but in other people's lives and it also has heavily impacted the way that we buy things. And I feel like this is super rich coming from me because I have definitely contributed to the problem of overconsumption but I truly am trying to be more self-conscious about it now especially because I'm in school that's taking a lot of money from me I had to cut back on my part-time job hours and so I have to not go crazy on Amazon or not buy the latest new makeup product that I see out on TikTok because those are the culprits like everyone is buying anything and everything on Amazon influencers or just anyone who's posting on social media especially TikTok are heavily to blame. I do want to go back to just influencer culture and just how this started because influencers are not what they used to be. Because when I first started looking up to influencers in 2015, 2016, and even 2017, I found a lot of content relatable. Yes, they had huge followings and they were making lots more money than I would be. And obviously I couldn't relate to you know, status in terms of how much they were making, but a lot of it came down to personality and common interests. I mean, I went down 
the rabbit hole of beauty content from 2016 up to 2019. And I've unsubscribed from a lot of beauty influencers. And it's not just because like I've lost a passion makeup. I mean, I absolutely still love makeup, but I'm not as like obsessed and passionate about it as I once was. And I kind of hate myself for getting so addicted to makeup because that's what was trending at the time. But I do believe I did develop genuine interest and I still like these things. I just think my interests have evolved and it's not the same because in 2016, we were all wearing full glam, heavy matte, full coverage foundations, lots of colorful eyeshadow, really bold looks. And now it's all about natural makeup. I mean, natural makeup looks have actually been my favorite makeup looks to do because that's what I would wear to work. It's everyday friendly. But during the weekends, I would go all out with my makeup. I would go out and about in town with my bold eyeshadows, my bold lips, full coverage, all the lashes. Sometimes I'll still do that in Portland, but it's not as bold as it used to be. So that definitely played a huge role into like my own behavior. And I feel like influencers are still influencing how people behave based off what their content is about, how they act, how they behave. And that tends to rub off on other people. And I definitely think that influencers have become more inauthentic because relatability isn't what it used to be. I felt like when the term influencers and content creators was a newer space and people were starting to recognize who they were paying attention to what they were watching on YouTube and social media, they were able to trust them better because sponsorships weren't as big. They were being more honest and genuine with products that they were reviewing. And now it's completely different. So... It's so funny that I'm just talking about this in general because technically I do consider myself to be a content creator. I definitely try not to use the word influencer, but people might refer me to as an influencer, but I feel like I'm not like big influencers. I'm still very much a small creator and I have not blown up the way that other influencers have. And while I do wish that I'd have more traction and eyes on my content, I want that traction so more people can gain value because I feel like the content that I put out there is authentic, it is valuable, and I believe that it does make a difference. And that's what I want to be known for in terms of an influencer. Like, I feel like it's a positive influence where I'm helping people in a more authentic way, not just trying to push product. Now, I've done sponsorships and I fully support sponsored content and product promotions. But we need to be very real about how people are taking advantage of sponsored content and product promotions because influencers are becoming so money obsessed these days and they're not disclosing sponsorships properly. I'm going to name drop here. I'm going to name drop influencers like Meredith Duxbury and Michaela Naguera. They're both makeup content creators. They blew up on TikTok and they are some of the worst of the worst influencers on TikTok in the beauty space because they basically obsess over every single product that they try. They over-exaggerate their reactions. Like they'll do the influencer gasps where they're like, 
oh my god you gotta try this and they just gasp and they go ooh and all throughout the whole entire thing and it's like come on don't act like you've never used a full coverage foundation before or you've never used a pigmented eyeshadow you know maybe if it's the first time you're ever trying a pigmented eyeshadow Sure, but when you do it over and over again, it really just becomes inauthentic. You know, you could say like, oh yeah, this is very pigmented. Like there are so many ways to like express how impressed you are with the product without sounding inauthentic and over exaggerating it and being so fucking dramatic. Another thing that I don't like that Meredith and Michaela do is that whenever they are working with brands and they're doing sponsored content, they never disclose their stuff properly at all you're supposed to say this is sponsored content or this is an ad you can use even hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored you can't just say i am a brand partner in the text of the video and also use hashtag brand partner and also use the paid partnership label believe it or not it's not enough according to the ftc and it really drives me batshit insane how these influencers just can't follow the rules like I don't understand, like, why are you so afraid to disclose a sponsorship? Are you afraid of something? Because part of me wonders if that's what it is. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing sponsored content. I mean, you got to make your money some way, somehow. And sponsorships do bring in more income than, like, ad revenue from YouTube or the creator fund on TikTok. Sponsorships can pay very very well and that's actually a huge bulk of a lot of influencers income i see nothing wrong with that but when you disclose things improperly and you don't follow the guidelines and the laws that are put out there that is a problem so i just want to know like why are you so afraid to say hashtag ad hashtag sponsored i promise you it's not going to turn people away like you think. Sure, there probably will be those people, but people just want you to be honest. People are going to have so much more respect for you when you properly disclose your stuff. And then they're going to trust your sponsored content more because you properly disclosed it. And hopefully you're using the product in good faith. But there are also so many influencers out there that just take sponsorships just for the money and they don't actually like the product. And again, it just comes down to greed. And I do think like the value of sponsorships has definitely lost its meaning. And I'm wondering if that is the reason why some of these creators just don't disclose things properly because they're afraid of something. And I feel like they shouldn't be afraid of something because the right people will still love you no matter how many sponsorships you put, but you put out there, but you need to disclose it properly. But I will say... Make sure you're spacing out your sponsorships. You are not just putting out sponsored content every single day because then that becomes inauthentic as well. Even if you do genuinely like the product, people don't want to see an ad every single day. So just space shit out. Learn how to plan your content better maybe. Sorry, not sorry for saying that, but like some of y'all need to plan your content out better. Yeah, I've had a huge issue with that and how today's influencers have just really ruined the term influencer and what it meant so many years ago when influencers were awesome and they were so much more trusted and now we've lost trust. And even me as a smaller creator who's looked up to so many influencers, I'm even calling them out and finding so many things ridiculous 
Because even if I was as big as these creators, I damn well know that I would not act like these people. A lot of younger Gen Z influencers that I'm seeing a lot actually are becoming more entitled. When TikTok came out and so many younger creators, specifically within the Gen Z category, they became so entitled, obsessed with fame, their attitude started to change and they started to basically lose themselves as they blew up online and they're not who they used to be and you can tell how smug and cocky they've gotten over the years. It's easier for me to say that because it's never happened to me. I just know who I am as a person and I know that I never want to act like the way that today's creators are. I know what it means to not be entitled. Like there are some, like just because you have a million followers doesn't mean you're a celebrity and you're a big fucking deal. There are so many people out there who don't even know who creators like James Charles are. He's got a huge platform and I know that's a terrible example because he's super problematic. He's just the first person that I could think of. What I'm trying to say is like, you could have so many people following you and there will still be people who do not know who the fuck you are and you need to not get offended when people don't know who you are. You need to treat yourself like you are a regular person. Yes, you may have money and you're living a more glamorous life than what you used to, but you need to literally stop acting entitled and stop acting like you are better than everyone else because it is sad that some of these bigger influencers are now being known as celebrities like Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Rae have kind of gotten into influencer to celebrity status now due to TikTok and how they've created a huge following there surpassing people who have already big followings such as like Selena Gomez and Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner and it's wild that just a regular everyday person blows up and all of a sudden they have more followers than an actual celebrity. It's wild. It's it's truly wild what this has come down to. I do believe that there are so many great and awesome influencers out there that you can trust and love that do constantly stay true to themselves. I will say one creator that I love, it's probably not going to surprise you who I mentioned, but Amber Scholl is somebody that I love. While Amber Scholl isn't necessarily relatable because homegirl's got a shit ton of money. I mean, she has her own like penthouse condo in Beverly Hills that she has been renovating like crazy. I mean, she's rich, okay? So she's certainly not relatable in terms of how much money she makes. But I love that Amber is genuinely herself and she has always been a bubbly person. I've even met Amber in real life and she is the exact same person as who she portrays to be online. She may not be as like as crazy as she is in li online, like, but she was still very perky and bubbly. And I believe that's who she is just because I, I mean, I've met her. I still watch her videos. I love watching a lot of her content and seeing her renovate her crazy expensive condo. Even though it's not relatable content, I still watch her because of her personality. And I also feel like she doesn't really push a ton of products. Like she does shopping videos, but she doesn't really do like any reviews. And she's pretty good about not doing a crazy amount of sponsorships. I feel like every time I watch a video of hers, I feel like I would see maybe two videos out of a month that would be sponsored. And maybe you're like really cool products. 
And I do see that she's being genuine. That's my personal opinion. I know Amber's does get hate for like her just being her and that people don't like how rich she is and how she chooses to spend her money. But the thing is like she's worked hard for what she's done. She is also a businesswoman. She has her own jewelry line that isn't cheap and she's made it known that it's not cheap. At least she has a brand that is on brand for her. And that's another whole thing is like influencers create like their own brand, but it has nothing to do with like their own niche and their own brand. And that's where it just feels like a cash grab. And I don't believe Amber is somebody who does things for cash grabs. So putting out product of your own brand as a cash grab, that I don't support. But if you are a makeup influencer and you launch your own makeup line that is obviously going to be much more authentic because it makes sense right you live and breathe makeup and I think it's really cool that you're coming out with your own makeup line pretty much I feel like every single makeup influencer has done that of some sort and just remember not all influencers are huge you don't have to have a huge following to be an influencer I mean there's a reason that the term nano influencer and micro influencer exist I feel like I fall between the category of nano micro influencer. People like me for me and I am able to continue to be genuine because you can still be a micro influencer and still have a huge ego and still basically feel entitled even though, come on, you have like a thousand subscribers or followers. Like even when I first started out, yes, I would pitch to brands and try to work with them even though I was a small creator. And sure, some of them probably did laugh in my face, but... I was going to be genuine about what I was doing and I wasn't trying to like ask for free product like I genuinely wanted to build relationships with brands and see like how we could work together. I never once said well I'm an influencer I will help you out. I've never once gone to a restaurant and have been like can I have this for free I promise I'll post about it online and it'll gain you lots of exposure to your restaurant like no. Never in a million years would I ever do something like that. I never did that when I first started. And even if I do get a million followers, I will still never do that because I'm not an entitled prick. I'm still going to treat myself like a regular person and not like a celebrity. Even if I had earned a celebrity status, according to other people, I don't want to see myself that way, even if I do have the money. Because at the end of the day, my authenticity and how... I rub off onto others and how people view me in terms of what they gain from my content is so much more important. And I just feel like influencers have truly lost the meaning of what it means to be a creator and have that influence on so many people to this day, especially on social media. And it truly makes me sad that this is what it's come down to. That was a lot. But I really just wanted to unapologetically share my thoughts about influencers, especially ones that are bigger than me. And even though I technically am an influencer, a smaller influencer, I just see what goes wrong and I just know to not be like that. And I just wish more creators could be that way. When it comes to influencers, we've talked about how a lot of influencers will push product and that overconsumption has become more and more common due to influencer culture and even social media. I have definitely been contributing to overconsumption for the past two years. Ever since I like had my own Amazon storefront, I felt like I had to start buying as many things as I could to build up that storefront. 
I've also added things that I already own to put in my storefront. And I had to take a step back and be like, Alana, you don't actually own this product. And also, don't post products in your storefront that you don't like or you don't even own anymore because then that's also going to come across as inauthentic. Now, if it's a product that you've used before and you don't currently have on you, but you know you love it and you can recommend it, that's one thing, right? whole TikTok made me buy it thing really blew up a couple years ago and that's kind of what peaked overconsumption at its worst. And then I want to say earlier this year, the de-influencing trend happened where people are saying, do not buy this product. You don't need it. It's not worth it. And I wanted to share 11 things that I've been influenced by either people on TikTok who are maybe not necessarily influencers, but maybe they just made a random video and it just happened to have gone viral. That can also be a problem as well. But anyway, one of the biggest things that I fell victim to was that Kosas concealer. I had heard so many good things about it and I was like, okay, I want to try this Kosas concealer. I, I was also in the market for a new concealer. So to me, it made sense to buy it. But when I bought it, I just felt like it didn't really give me the coverage I was looking for and it creased really badly and it was just not it for me. And it was a really expensive product. I don't recommend the Kosas concealer. I don't think it has the best coverage. I think it's very creasy. I don't even think it had a good shade match. And I tried to shade match and I literally just could not get a good match. It just, it didn't work for me. The second thing that I got really influenced by is Rare Beauty as a brand in general. Now, I just want to start off by saying I fucking love Rare Beauty. I think the hype is well-deserved and I think... Most of Rare Beauty's products are worth it and they are top tier quality. And I think Selena Gomez really outdid herself with her makeup brand. But there's one product that I just truly did not like. It did not work for me. And they were really popular on TikTok and it's the bronzing sticks. I am a cool tone girly and I know bronzers are typically going to be on the warmer side, but there were shades that appeared pretty cool and so when I picked up what I believe was a cool tone shade over time it would oxidize really badly and it would look really warm and really muddy and I just couldn't keep using this product anymore because even the other shades that appeared more cool tone were still too warm there was just no coolness to these bronzing sticks the descriptions promised that there were cool tones in these specific shades and it didn't work for me I ended up giving it to my sister who is more warm toned and I just know that that would look much better on her because you want to have warm tone products on warm toned skin. I think maybe for the cool tone girlies I don't recommend the Rare Beauty bronzing sticks but oof, so many other products though um, I love. Number three, how many of you have scrolled on TikTok or even Instagram and you've seen an ad for the Il Maquillage Foundation because oh my god after a long time of getting these ads, and I've been seeing these ads for years now, I finally purchased a couple of Il Maquillage products. And I actually got to go into an Il Maquillage store in Tel Aviv because in Europe and Asia, they actually have storefronts and there aren't any stores where you can purchase those products in real life. You just have to buy them online. So I was able to do the shade match in person. And I had tried the full coverage product 
And it's okay. I do think that it spreads nicely with their foundation brush, but I think the foundation brush is really streaky when you use it with other foundation products, in my opinion. And I feel like it's only meant for like Il Maquillage products. I got a free eyeshadow palette when I was there because I believed if you spent a certain amount of money, you got a couple of products for free. Like it was a really wild deal. And so I got a, a full size eyeshadow palette and I fucking hated this eyeshadow palette by Il Maquillage. The colors were just not pigmented. I gave it to my sister. I thought my sister would get a good use out of it. She doesn't really like a lot of high super pigmented eyeshadows. So the fact that these were more subtle, I think that would have looked great for her. The Il Maquillage concealer is not that great. I got another concealer that I could use for maybe contouring and Again, it looked cool toned in the bottle. And when I first applied, it looked cool toned. But then when I started applying it, nope, it, it didn't work. Maybe I could have picked a different shade, but I personally don't think the concealers were really good for contouring, in my opinion. Yeah, I gotta say, um, I was really let down by Il Maquillage makeup products. The fourth thing, the Stanley Cup. So I actually didn't buy my Stanley Cup. My sister actually gave this to me as a birthday present. And I want to just say that I never had any intentions on getting a Stanley Cup. Yes, I saw them all over TikTok, but I was like, I don't need that. This is where I was being smart. I'm like, I don't need a Stanley Cup. I have so many water bottles already. Yes, I could probably get a lot of water out of it. But like, again, I don't need this product. And so my sister said, you're either going to love your birthday present or you're going to feel neutral about it. And I felt pretty damn neutral about it. Don't get me wrong, like, I do use my Stanley Cup every day because my sister did spend a lot of money on it. Um, so I am going to use it. And it's a great way for me to get my water in. But oh my god, does this thing leak like nobody's business. I really wish that Stanley made some sort of, like, better mechanism so water does not leak out. Because if you tip it over the slightest, your whole entire drink is gone. It's spilled all over the place. And it's not even that big of a hole. So I really wish that Stanley Cups had a better blockage mechanism with their straws. So if you were to accidentally tip over your Stanley Cup, it wouldn't leak. Like I don't recommend packing your Stanley Cup in a bag because it's going to tip over. It's going to get everything wet. Stanley Cups personally just are not very stable when you're traveling with them. I really don't recommend a Stanley Cup because they leak so badly and they're overpriced and there's a lot of good dupes out there. Like if you like that mug handle thing, there are a lot of dupes out there that you could get if you wanted to. But again, when I'm defluencing here, I'm trying not to like share other products I recommend, but sorry, that's my reason for the Stanley Cup and why you shouldn't get it. Fifth thing, the Marc Jacobs tote bag. So I'm sure you've seen this. It says like the tote Marc Jacobs. I have two of these, okay? My first one was the medium-sized tote bag, and that is the one that I'm de-influencing. I think the large one is great. It's amazing for travel. There's so much you can store in it. But the medium-sized one, it could work as a handbag. For me, I just feel like it's still not big enough because I do use this bag for school where I put my wallet, my iPad, my water bottle in, and a couple of other things that I would need in a purse. 
And I just feel like it's still not big enough. It's still really hard to maneuver around. It still feels like a bottomless pit. There's not enough room to put in like one of those tote bag storage units, which I think are really helpful to keeping your bag more organized. I think it takes up too much space. And the medium tote bag is just simply not big enough, in my opinion. I think the medium tote bag could work if you don't really carry a lot of things, but you really want a nice sized bag, it could work. But for what I need to bring with my life, it's just, it's not big enough. And I don't want to bring my big one with me to school because it's too big. And it also doesn't come with the strap. So yeah, I don't really recommend the medium size Marc Jacobs tote. It's very cute. And I can get other use in it, but anytime I want to use it, I have to put a lot of things in it because it's the only tote bag that I have that is at a reasonable size where I feel like I could use that as a small, medium to size tote bag. And it's just still not big enough for me, in my opinion. The sixth thing is the Briogeo Softwave Texture Spray. I feel like this one is not that commonly talked about on social media. I love Briogeo's products. But this Softwave Texture Spray just was not it for me. I don't like the pump. I don't think it sprays out enough product. I end up like spraying a bunch of it, like a pool of it into my hand and then rubbing and scratching it into my hair. It does smell really good, but I don't like how it shapes and texturizes my waves. I think it kind of makes my waves look even worse after I use it. And I've just, I've used better wave sprays out there. And unfortunately, the Briogeo one was just not it for me. Number seven is the Anastasia Beverly Hills Brow Freeze. I want to say this came out like two years ago or it was either 2021 or 2022 when it came out. And that is when like the soap brow laminated brow effect look came out. I think it's still trending in my opinion. And I do like the look of that. But it's just so damn expensive. And... Honestly, Elf's does the same thing. I don't recommend the brow freeze because it doesn't hold that long and it's just, it's so fucking expensive. Number eight, anything by Essence, especially their mascaras. I like to say I was using Essence products before. They were cool and they were trending. I first was introduced to Essence products in 2017 and like that princess lash mascara that is so popular. I have that. I, ha I used to have it. I fucking hated that mascara. It was so flaky. It would get in my eyes. And I don't think it's contact friendly. So if you wear contacts and you blink with wearing that mascara, it's going to get all over your contacts. I don't think it did any good length for my lashes. I've used the volumizer mascara. Like I got a couple mascaras from Essence when I went to Generation Beauty in San Francisco. And they don't dry very well. They're very wet and they would get into my contacts. So just a hard pass. I just don't really like Essence products. I think they're cheaply made. I don't think that they have a lot of pigment. And I do think that they rip off smaller indie brands, which I think is really uncool in my opinion. Number nine are the beauty blender sponges. I'm sorry. Like, yes, I, I've been guilty of spending $20 on a, on a beauty blender sponge. There's no fucking reason for me to spend $25 on an itty bitty sponge when I can buy something way cheaper than that and it does the exact same fucking thing. Do not buy Beauty Blender sponges with the brand Beauty Blender. It's overpriced. Makeup sponges are great and they're useful, but you don't need to buy one that's $25 just for the name Beauty Blender. Number 10, this isn't actually a product or anything you buy, 
But this is a trend that I think needs to be de-influenced more. And that is having a 5 to 9 routine before or after your job. So your 5 to 9, it could be 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. And a lot of people will typically like wake up, they'll do a workout, they'll eat breakfast, they'll journal, they'll do like this whole routine that kind of makes people feel a little bit shitty about themselves. And it makes people feel like they don't have their life together because they're not waking up every morning and working out and doing a seven-step skincare routine, eating this super healthy breakfast or journaling. Now, don't get me wrong, I do journal in the morning, but I will do that maybe at like eight in the morning where I'm awake and I've had breakfast. I don't wake up at five in the morning. I used to do that when I was on contest prep and I would have a job that I would need to get to and honestly, sometimes working out early in the morning was a way to just get that out of the way. And yeah, it's just a whole fucking day before your day even starts. Or it can be a whole day that starts after a whole long day after your job. And I just think that it really just makes people feel bad about themselves. And I just want people to know that just because you don't have a five to nine routine before or after your job doesn't mean you're not productive. It doesn't mean that you don't have it together. If you are somebody who needs that extra sleep in the morning, please sleep. If you're somebody who simply needs to decompress and you know that you can manage your time in other ways to get like a workout in or a skincare routine in or whatever that is, you're doing fine in life. You don't need to have this five to nine routine and then document it on social media because it's not gonna make you feel like your life is more put together if you start one. In fact, you could seriously resent it and you could feel more tired and more more overwhelmed by feeling like you need to have it. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about that I'm going to de-influence is buying Starbucks every single fucking day. Like why can't you just make coffee in the morning? I make coffee every day. Sometimes I make too much that I'll use it for the next day or two. After three days, you know, I got to throw it away. I do believe coffee can last a couple of days. Why can't you just make your coffee in the morning? If you feel like you don't have enough time, most coffee machines have that automatic setting where you can go in and set a timer where the coffee will start brewing at a certain time so it saves you time. You just do everything the night before and boom starbucks can be a nice treat to have but i don't think it's necessary to buy starbucks every single day it's expensive and that shit's gonna add up those are all the things that i wanted to de-influence so these are some things that i kind of want to take for myself and how to chill out with overconsumption. and i think that these can help you too the first thing is understanding and recognizing what is it that's making you want to buy this product that you probably don't need. Was it the person and their endorsement? Because that absolutely does have a potential impact on your consumption choices. I think it's really important that you understand the motivations behind influencer-sponsored content and what they're promoting if it's a product review because a lot of them now are doing all these product reviews in hopes that the brand will recognize it and then basically buy their video for rights for sponsored content so it makes the brand better and that content creator still gets money in a sneaky way where they're basically getting their video rights bought out. That's one thing. So understand the motives of who you're watching Take a look at like how many things do they endorse? How many sponsorships are they doing? And think about, is this a reasonable amount? Do these things make sense? Does it make sense why they're endorsing it? Think about that. 
I think this will really help you become more mindful when you consume things. I think it's also really important to differentiate products that you genuinely do need and those that are trendy and influencer-driven. I've been very guilty of products that are trendy and influencer-driven. Let's say you run out of a product. Let's say you need a new blush and your favorite makeup brand puts out this really awesome blush. It's going viral. It's got great reviews. And if you're genuinely in the need for a new blush, then sure, maybe that could make sense where you can buy that trendy item. But if you have enough blushes already, you don't need to buy another one. I used to be so, so bad about this when I was in my makeup phase. When my sister was here back in May, she went through all of my makeup and she goes, no, Alana, we need to clean this out. This is embarrassing. And I was like, okay, fine. There were some things that I had a hard time letting go of. And I said to my sister, listen, this is a great product. Yes, I need to get rid of it, but it's not expired. Will you please home it for yourself? Because I want that to still go to good use. And so a lot of things did go to my sister that were still in good condition. They weren't expired. I really have cut back on how many beauty products I buy. I just buy what I need now. Or sometimes I'll get beauty products in my FabFitFun boxes, which are only done every other few months. And sometimes I try to not always pick the beauty things unless that the beauty things are the only things that I see as the most valuable thing in, out of my options. But I'm just saying really differentiate with what you genuinely need. And do you want it just because it's trendy? Think about that. So that has really helped me not overconsume as much makeup products. Now, don't get me wrong. I still got a lot of makeup, but it's not as much as I used to have. And I do cycle through my products more and that is responsible. The third thing is to seek out authenticity. Find influencers and creators that really resonate with you and follow people for their personality, not for what they're promoting. I think it's so important to find people that really align with your values and those who aren't just trendsetters or trend followers. I think that is so much more meaningful and is a really awesome way to still value influencers to this day. If it does come down to one of your favorite creators who is promoting something or they do have sponsored content, I think it's still important to assess whether or not is this authentic? Does this make sense to their brand? Is it relevant to what they do? Have they talked about this before? I'm telling you, us viewers, we know when influencers are bullshitting us and we know that they're not actually using these products I'm, I'm I promise you you'll catch on so prioritize that authenticity and then the next thing is stop having the FOMO mentality I really challenge you to resist the fear of missing out on something and I want you to make informed decisions about these purchases and that goes back to differentiating do you genuinely need it or do you want it just because it's trendy and I think that one sweet exception is you genuinely are out of something and if you see something that is trendy that you want to try out and see if it's better than what you've used before, then go for it. But if you love with what you've been using and you run out, then you can continue to buy that product. That's fine. Overconsumption is truly bad for the environment. I think sustainable living is certainly like a really awesome thing to possess and I think we do need to be more mindful as consumers on like the environmental impact that all of this excessive consumption has been taking over. Amazon is really guilty of this. And I truly do see a lot of stupid products being promoted on TikTok. We're like, oh, cool Amazon product that you need. 
And I'm like, okay, no, I don't actually need that. I think that's useless when I can do the exact same thing without it being so complicated with probably something that I already own in my kitchen. I'm only gonna buy something super cool on Amazon only if I know I'm gonna actually get good value out of it and I'm gonna use it over and over again and not just toss it or return it or like buy it and then never use it again because that is wasteful. And I wanna be better at that because again, I have to like, you know, be mindful of my own finances. How can I get my financial use out of this to make sure that this is not a waste of money and that this is something that's worth it. And then the last thing is to declutter and start going more minimalistic. Now, I'll be honest, I am most definitely not a minimalist. I am certainly a maximalist. I don't like a minimalist environment, but I absolutely do support and embrace the principle of decluttering and just getting rid of things that are just super unnecessary in your current environment and to free up space that you never realized you had, but it was consumed by things that you didn't need. I can guarantee you that a lot of these things that you're probably decluttering were influencer-driven possessions, and you need to determine, like, do I like this product or did I just buy it because an influencer told me to? So that's basically the steps that I've done lately to try to stop with overconsumption and trying to be better for myself, but I hope that that can help you too. Wow, I went on and on and on and on and on about that, but those are just my unapologetic thoughts on how I feel about like the de-influencing culture, how I've been feeling about influencers lately. I mean, I could talk about influencers on and on and on, but I wanted to focus more on like influencer authenticity and how we need to stop buying things just because someone told us to do it. And for us to just be more real with ourselves and figure out, is this something that we really need? Or do we have this FOMO mentality because it's trending and we're going to feel like we're a loser for not having it? I don't want you to have that. That's not living your best bold life by having that mindset. So cut it out. But anyways, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and you did find it more entertaining. If you ever want to email me with any kind of like unapologetic experience that you've had, you can always email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow the podcast at, on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye!